The amount of bullshit that's up in this brain that I can whip up on the spot. Come on. I made a career out of this. It ain't ending on this show. Trust me in that one. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Side Select. I am your host, Foxtrop. I'm joined, of course, by Rich and Thorin. We're going to be talking about some lovely esports things today. But before we get on to the juicy esports topics, uh, as is tradition, I have to ask Rich and Thorin here about uh, some food-related things my question of the day okay is you have to remove the edit edit edibility of one of the following animals pig or cow which one can you no longer eat which one not just for you but for the rest of mankind i know there's an easy answer to this one first of all only one of them is haram so there's that. And then secondly, that's a joke. <laughs> but then but there's actually even like low key a based reason as to why. Like if anyone ever looks into it, one thing that's actually somewhat inarguable is whoever did write some of these like religious restrictions, there was like essentially like a real reason behind why it wasn't just like arbitrary chores. Like so for example, if people don't know the reason why in the Bible it tells you in the Old Testament, like don't eat shellfish, for example, it's because they have no f- method of like storing it, keeping it cool and stuff. Like if you're in the middle of the bloody desert and you get to some seafood, probably going to be in bad condition by then probably wouldn't eat that vector for all sorts of problems so basically along similar lines the reason it's pig is simple actually which is because unfortunately since pigs will eat almost anything this is something i've found out recently it turns out in places like america when they want to just save on like essentially like skim off the top of the pig meat production process they will just feed the pigs i'm not joking stuff like plastic just any old shit that's left over and the problem with that is the pig eats it it becomes part of the pig's body and you eat the pig so what do you think happens to your body it ain't great for that way so the difference is cow just eats bloody grass or whatever grain they put in like i'm somewhat safe with the cow you know whereas as i say you know the pig can't be trusted can it that little slot's everywhere <laughs> what about you rich are you gonna what, but maybe just I mean, that was quite an honourable and, and yeah. high moral reason. Uh, maybe from a more selfish standpoint, what would you get rid of? Oh, because, see, I was going to trump his moral reason with another moral reason, which is, you know... He's going to go Hindu? Yeah, well, no, us, you know, okay. Mother Nature, the planet. I would yeah. imagine, I don't know, but I would definitely assume that the whole um, red meat industry is far more damaging uh, in a broad strokes ways than the pork industry. Like, I would assume that if cow, like farming and, uh, you know, milking, cutting up, uh, serving meats, uh, you know, from cows was eliminated as a choice from farmers, I assume, you know, again, and that we have the methane and all this stuff, I assume the planet would be much better off if we all stopped eating cows. Again, I don't know. I'm not an expert on this stuff. So, yeah, I'm going to say that. And also, I really like bacon. And the thing (laughs) is with bacon, right? And this is something I've been adding to, like, my meals a lot recently, which I'm not advising anyone to do because it's definitely not healthy. But I really like when you can combine, like, savoury foods with sweet foods. Like, any kind of meat that I could justifiably pour, you know, a little bit of maple syrup on or something, that's, you know, that's that's the kind of food I'm looking for these days. So, yeah, I'm going to say... I'm not going to eat, not going to eat cows. But both cows and pigs, because they've been doing like a lot of studies and stuff on this recently. If you do kind of raise them, like as you would a domestic dog or something like that, they do actually sort of behave in similar ways. Obviously, they're not going to 
fucking sprint across the field and jump 10 feet in the air and catch a ball or something. But they do the way oh, they sort they of... definitely do. They kind of are like, a bit like dogs, right? Yeah. The, the way... Any host, that is, assume. Yeah. The way they, like, interact or whatever. I don't know. Like, when I sometimes when I see videos of cows, like, interacting with humans, I have to turn it off because it's heartbreaking and I know I'm going to eat one of the cunts next week. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll say <laughs> save save the cows. Okay. <laughs> I'm also yeah, people won't even save the other humans. So I don't know why you're worried about that, man. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd get your fucking priorities right on that one. But, but oh, I'm, I'm also on. wondering what uh, other sort of hypotheticals Foxtrot's going to pivot to when he runs out of food questions. That's my most burning. I will never tonight. run out of food questions. The amount of bullshit that's up in this brain that I can whip up on the spot. Come on, I made a career out of this. It ain't ending on this show. Trust me in that one. You should probably put that as the intro, by the way, because it'll make it seem like he says something really edgy later, but it won't be anything. It'll just be the rest of the intro. True, <laughs> true. Because it sounds amazing if you just heard only that part. You'd be like, oh, is this the one where Foxtrot drops some crazy shit? It's actually, it's <laughs> the most, most light-hearted part of the show. Just talking about cows. I have to say, though, it is rather surprising, both Rich and Dorian, disagreeing on a topic here today on side select apart from the part where you guys have to at the end of the show and let's see if that trend continues getting on to our first topic here we're moving to north america where they feed pigs plastic uh, and the lcs it has recently been announced uh, that cloud nine or, or rumored substantiated rumors that cloud nine's lcs squad is going to get a bit, of a, a bit of a mix up fudge then mid laner is going back to top lane which displaces summit who is the Spring Split MVP. He's going to be going, uh, I don't know where to, but Cloud9 have decided uh, to to move on from from Summit, which is pretty shocking considering, as I mentioned, he was the MVP of the, the, entire, uh, the entire split. Obviously, in the playoffs, not quite as impactful, and that probably had something to do with it as well. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, and I, uh, I just want to... Pick your brains about that. What do you think about about Cloud9 moving Fudge back to top and uh, moving away from Summit? I'll come to you first on this one, Rich. I mean, the first thing I would say is who could have possibly guessed that the team that was put together by the only Western coach who would ever have put that team together goes to shit when he leaves? Like, you know, who, who would have guessed? I mean, people will say like, oh, they continued to have like a decent regular season afterwards and that's true, but conversely you know as soon as you hit the playoffs that i would say is when sort of coach player synergy matters the most and trying to coax a bunch of koreans through a playoff series without the guy that envisaged that he would be there with them during that time and said you've got fucking max waldo or whatever like uh, to me it's really not surprising that cloud nine just completely capitulated i would also say as well by the way for people who maybe only watched uh playoffs or whatever which was me uh, the only time i actually went back and watched the games was just sort of in preparation to like lay the context for myself for watching it when i did watch some of the regular season games of like the top playoff teams i felt that he did fully justify, based on what I saw, and I'd say I saw six or seven Cloud9 regular season games, I felt he fully justified that MVP. If your criteria is like, who is the best at their role compared to their peers in the same position? Like, he was diffing everyone for a period of time. Like, he was actually legit and really good. So it would be really unfair to, like, retcon it and say, oh, did you see him in playoffs? So, look, he completely collapsed. Like, Cloud9 collapsed. Let's get that straight. Like, the whole team collapsed. The drafts were, like, garbage uh people say that's like a lazy thing that people always say on the losing team no their drafts were really fucking bad so this loss is on everyone but primarily to me it's on jack and it's on the organization because they made a bunch of super out there like all in plays in the off season and then they half they like tried to semi-retreat from them like two weeks in 
and then everything went to shit. So yeah, I I I just think like the whole thing's a bit of a mess in terms of like Fudge going back to the top lane or whatever. I don't really know because obviously I don't understand like the the inner workings of like how bad it is with Summit, but you have to assume that Summit is probably very uncomfortable and maybe even said like he wanted to go home or something like that. I find it very difficult to believe that they kicked him based on performance. Like yes, he wasn't good in playoffs, but when someone is wins MVP and actually was worthy of winning that MVP. It wasn't just some bullshit like Bjergsen first team all pro thing or whatever. Like, you're not going to kick that player. Like, you're just not. So there's definitely something else going on there. And I can only assume it's a synergy thing. Like, Korean top laner maybe doesn't get along with Max. Who'd have guessed? Probably got along a lot better with the guy that got booted. And it's just probably a fit thing. And obviously they know Fudge, obviously, fluent in English was a really good top laner before uh, Summit came in. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I guess that makes sense. Am I surprised? Uh, I guess no. I guess I would, I would have to say no, just because once LS left, you had to assume that one of, if not both, Koreans might end up just leaving because ultimately a result of that, whatever the sort of micro things were, to me, that's that's not surprising. It's sad, but it's not surprising. And what are your thoughts about Summit leaving? Like being, being asked the question was framed as like, "Am I surprised that he is leaving?" Yes, in the sense that like he is the MVP. Like what Rich said, like I watched uh, all the top games of C9 because it was the team I was most interested in watching, and he was easily the MVP of the split for me. Like I thought he was far and away the best player the whole split. If people don't know, prior to the playoffs, like he actually looked like exactly what you thought you were getting with the bill of goods that you hear. Like oh, there's an elite Korean top player who's like way too good to be in LCS, but like because he's always been on like the dodgy sandbox team, we managed to convince him to come to NA because LS is going to make like a super. Like it actually was like he looked it, it genuinely looked like you would imagine if you brought like the fucking shy to lec or something of course he'd have a bunch of games where he just smashed everyone and looked insane so that was all brilliant so from that yes i would never guess that first of all like the mvp would be leaving or kicked or that as a team you would even conceive of choosing to move beyond them like i would even say by the way if you look historically i know fans now are going to retcon everything and go what are you talking about like remember that time they benched jensen the one time ever like actually cloud nine historically i think has actually been been slightly too slow they've been too reticent to move on from people like spoiler i think this is all a brilliant smoke screen to ignore that the player you have built your whole team around three times in a row blabber is nowhere near the player you pretend he is he doesn't even do it in the fucking lcs playoffs like you know what everyone used to tell me like oh double lift can't be one of the greatest players because all he does is win lcs that yeah blabber doesn't even do that mate yints half the fucking series it's mental but he still still gets to pass with it also anyway basically my problem is this right i actually get the vibe it's half and half i get the vibe yes summit doesn't want to be there anymore you can see that by the way by the way the playoffs played out like he looked like he wanted to leave after they lost the first time just he had to keep playing out and then secondly i just get the vibe that like it's a mutual agreement of yes you can get the fuck out because it's it's irredeemable as a player as far as i can tell because here's the problem as great as he was in the regular season he was genuinely utterly appalling in the in the playoffs utterly appalling as in i'm talking about people initially thought it was just picking silly champions like renekton it didn't matter what he picked mate. he was garbage on everything he would he would get like egregiously behind as in he'd be in a matchup where it's like as long as you even go even it's fine and he would just chain feed like five kills to the other top laner and some of these top laners remember like 
Who has he got in his position? He wasn't playing Bwipo and losing to him, mate. He was feeding kills to, like, the Sundays and the fucking, like, you know, like, the impacts of the world. The people whose job isn't even to be ahead in lane. So it's like, I thought it was actually, it was almost like sabotage. Like, I could almost believe this guy petulantly just wanted out and was like, fuck it. I'm not staying here for longer. So fuck it. Let's just, like, essentially, I'll just fall in a bunch of games. I'll let them. Who cares? I'm leaving anyway. I got paid. And also, I'll say this as well. The reason why I don't think anyone could actually have anticipated this scenario would happen is because when I keep hearing all these shit stories from the cult of LS fans about how, like, he did nothing wrong and how it's all evil Cloud9, the worst angle they always have to feed in, which is utter nonsense, I know all the parties involved in this story in a way very few people do, goes like this, and everyone except Jack and Cloud, uh, Cloud9 still wants him, right? All I'll say is this statement. I'll drop it all in a while, maybe in six months, in a year, I'll drop a whole bunch. All I'll tell you right now is this. If you as an LS fan attempted to speculate how many people in the players and the coaching staff don't want LS there and did want him out, you would underestimate him. Doesn't matter what number you picked, you would underestimate it. So basically, the entire theme, as far as I can tell, genuinely, one week into the split, went to utter shit to the level that... Fair play, they hung on for a while and people like Summit did just individually have brilliance. Like, I'll even drop one last gem for you. Here's why I do think he wanted out and they wanted him out. I've even heard that when people criticise, like, why did he do, like, a different draft against Golden Guardians, like, proper top lane champs, and then why did he go back to the stupid ones? Oh, I've heard it's better than that. I've heard in the scrims he was playing the proper shit and then he just wouldn't play it on stage. Fuck that noise, mate. I don't sign you, like I say, as the shy or something to come over and then just phone in a shit draft and lose. Like, I'd sign you to be the best player, mate. You're supposed to be like one of the best players in the world. So I'm not surprised, but knowing what I know, it makes perfect sense for all parties involved. I actually don't think there's anyone should really be sort of like a, aggrieved. I think it's better that everyone moves on. I think they had to blow that team up anyway. I think, I guess it's just like a blame assignment thing. Whereas oh, I would, whereas I, I kind of ag agree with a lot, a lot of what you said about that. But I would just go full circle again and bring it back and say, in a weird way, and obviously, it, you you can never know just how bad something is. So it's easy for me to say like, oh, if you all in, you have to commit to it. But I did feel like there are one of two scenarios. Either it is a case of you've all in on this LS project involving Summit and Berserker and all the rest of it, and you do just have to see it through to its finality. Or if it really is that fucking bad, again, as I said, it comes full circle. It's like, what the fuck were you doing in the first place then? Like how, as you as Cloud9, having all the resources that you had, how could you not do enough due diligence based off all the mountain of information you should already have on LS? Like this guy lives out half his problems, you know, through through uh, YouTube anyway, or Twitch. Like how how could you not foresee something like this happening? And if you believe that it wouldn't happen, well, that's on you, isn't it? And you made a terrible game. I'm going to play like... devil's advocate. Here's how. Because one, of like, spoiler, LS as a human, here's a frailty he has. I'm sure if you're honest with yourself, a lot of us could relate. He might think he wants something and say he wants it, but they might not want it in reality. So guess what? He's not going to tell you he's going to be incompetent or not turn up at certain times or fuck around and be like unprofessional. He's not going to say that, obviously. That's not... By the way, that's not what he wants. I'm sure he envisioned he's going to be a model professional, right? So there's that. True, you could look into it, Rich. Like you're saying, you could do with due diligence. But here's the part that I, I noticed no one's mentioned, which is a bit suspicious because it ties the whole thing together. As far as I know, here's the real problem, Rich. It's that all those aforementioned groups that were all supposed to be part of LS's gang, as far as I know, they all went to bat for him, mate. So if you had like 10 people go to bat for you and then you go, right, I'll, I'll get the guy then. And then it turns out he's a dickhead. It's like, look, at that point, yeah, I, I agree. The lesson to be learned is I won't be listening to you fuckers again. I'll make, I'll make the choices next time. But 
you know, you can see how you could get into oh, that yeah, scenario, I, and then it could be somebody yeah. agreed to it. It's like, well, nothing I can do about that. Sorry, guys, I have to, I have to get. And as I say, it wasn't like he was like, sorry, guys. It was sort of like, yes, we all agree. Let he has to go. Yeah, no, I, so, I, agree, I agree. But then I would also, obviously, there's probably some people I don't know about, but the ones that I do know who do bat for LS, I wouldn't put any fucking stock oh, in those idiots. I agree with you, but that's a bunch idiot. of idiots. And also, we have the precedence of him, you know, doing his coaching stints that he probably really wanted to do at the time as well. In the past, this wasn't his first coaching gig. But for people who are new to the scene and think, wow, finally get we get to see LS co I saw him coach at Gravity. How did, How long did that last? Like all of, and this is the thing, right? And this is why I'm so annoyed with the organization as a whole is we had an episode where we were basically doing over-unders on how long he would last. And that was, it, it wasn't a question of, oh, well, uh, should he have a three-year contract or a four? No, it was like, will it literally be like three weeks or will he actually maybe make it to the end of the split? And that was really the only conversation that was happening. No one was thinking beyond that. So why, uh, what, how are we in that position but what Jack's been manipulated by fucking Malice and Max Waldo. Like, okay, well, you still Seems fucked like up it. then, didn't you? So, yeah, I, 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 just ridiculous. Well, how long ago was the gravity situation? That was. Uh, yeah, I think gravity was, was what, like, like season six or something, season five, maybe. But he's maybe been coaching five. for people who don't know, and LS Could might not season say. Four. Let me look. Uh, I want to. I think season five or yeah, season five, five or season right. four. Yeah. But for people who don't know, like. And LS maybe doesn't talk about this much publicly either. But this guy's done loads of like stints coaching for teams, like secretly or behind the scenes. Like he did actually. I'm not. I'm not even going to go into it and out what he did. But he's been. He's done a bunch of coaching, like unofficial coaching for teams. And there has been similar aspects. A lot of this, by the way, wasn't in person. But there have been similar pieces of feedback from when he was doing coaching for those other teams. So to me, there was more yeah. than enough out there. Here's the thing, look, Rich. There's a classic. What you've run into now is a phenomenon I despise in esports, and it goes like this: If I like the guy, then all I do is say, "Well, he has grown and learned and matured." And even though I don't have, have any evidence of that whatsoever, I just imply because X amount of time interval has passed, he must now have matured. The maddest example ever, if people don't know, is this is not a joke. It was done with Dardoch. Something like four teams in a row, they said the same thing. Every new team would pick him up and go, he has now matured, though. And, it's like they, and their logic was just buy another split pass and he must mature. Whereas if you don't know people, like... They don't really make that drastic a change typically, especially not by the way of something like they get, you know, something bad happens to them or whatever. It's more like they have to have like a really good reason to make a monumental change in your life. So I've noticed in esports in general, people essentially like team owners are way too naive, mate. They all want to believe everyone's changed because what they're doing, I get it, right? What they're doing, it's easy to do. The best way to think of it is this. You know when we're doing those bets at the end of the episode, Rich? Obviously, there'll be some episodes where if we picked independently, maybe we would both pick the same name. But if it's like a 55, 45 on the Maybe we agree, yeah. right? I'll take the other side, whatever. This will make it fun, right? What you do is you talk yourself into it, don't you? You go, I'll look at all the upside. I'll see if I can find reasons to diminish the downside. And then I'll say, right, if the upside happens, it's great. I win, don't I? It's basically the function of how fucking gambling works. That's actually the fallacy in your brain, isn't it? So the problem is people do that with personalities. And Whereas I think actually, as a general rule, until they in action prove that they've done something different, just assume they're the same person they were. You're, you're, it's a much better guide, I guarantee you. Yeah, and the irony is, as you say, if you actually go in, with because obviously there's a certain amount of self-delusion slash i would even go so far as to say dishonesty in some cases of that just say the reason why you're hiring the guy if i sign forgiven i'm not saying oh you know what i actually think this guy's like the world's best teammate and he's come on such a long way so i'm saying 
guys, it's worth the risk. Like, he's the best AD carry in the region. Like, maybe this is the thing that can take us over the edge. How sustainable is it for a really long time? I don't know. But maybe we can get a couple of LEC titles do well in Wells. Like, who knows, right? Same with Dardoch. I batted for Dardoch on this show and on other uh, some of, uh, of your other shows. And I've said... I'd risk Dardoch. And that's how I always phrase it. Like, I'd risk him. I know he's a psychopath. I know he's going to be a dickhead. But actually, maybe this is like the kind of mechanical jungler that you need that will take you over the edge for this split or for this world run or whatever. I never frame it like, well, it has been a long time. And uh, Dardoch's probably uh, come a long way and now is really socially well-adjusted. Like, who's using that argumentation? And I think if you're a CEO or an owner of a team, just say it. Just say we're signing Dardoch. And the reason why is because most resident NA junglers are absolutely trash. This guy's actually really high mechanical skill ceiling, and I hope we can control the fucker. Draw it up in a nice little PR way, you know, say it really nicely, bows and whistles, maybe even chuck in a caveat, and who knows, maybe he's 2% nicer than he was on fucking breaking point. But just say the reason why you're signing him, because then, if it goes to shit, you can say, ah, well, it was a justifiable gamble, I think. It didn't work out the way we wanted, but, you know, maybe it could have. And, and the upside, the risk versus reward, was either we tank or maybe it wins us a title. Say that and suddenly you have some fucking credibility. But this whole, like, Dignitas approach or whatever of like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, it just didn't work out and there was a bad synergy. And Shut up, man. Everyone, every Reddit pleb could have told you that before you signed him. I want to bring it back a little bit here, talking about Summit as well, which was the original topic of, of conversation here. We did get talking about LS, and I, I think that's because, you know, the two are of, obviously LS was the one who brought Summit in, and it's kind of hard to talk about one without the other. Um, but I, I want to just ask real quick as well, before we move on to the next topic, is uh, with Summit out of Cloud9, do you think he'll find another home in the LCS? Because he was, you know, he's, he's very valuable, he's a very good player. Uh, and, you know, because... What is it? Does he need LS? You know, does he need LS to succeed in the West? Is he going back to Korea, or do you think uh, that he'll be able to find something in in a different organization? I'll ask. By the way, I'll t I'll tell you one thing. I never never even see this point addressed. I don't even buy the premise that LS would change this guy's yeah. champion pool and win him over. Like, by the way, LS can't even convince his own fucking friends to keep him in his team. Like, I don't believe he can convince a guy in a second language. So fuck that noise. Yeah. And then secondly, here's the other thing. As far as I know, like, I don't know if he, like, Summit specifically totally just signed for LS. I imagine he signed for millions of dollars, an enormous Western org. And if you know Cloud9, one of the things that shitheads who are fans of the other orgs don't seem to get is Cloud9 and TL are probably the most competent orgs at sorting out everything else in your career. Your visa, getting you the accommodations, making sure you have proper boot camps, that you have the coaches. Like, they're the ones who go above and beyond, you know, like, and give you everything you need. So, essentially, like, it's one of the best offers you get anyway. And, it's, it, and I I hope people aren't so delusional they think that, look, yes, Summit didn't watch LCS. He is fully aware of who Cloud9 is. Remember, they've been to like a billion world championships. So he's, he's totally aware that if he was going to leave, that's like a destination you'd want to go to. In the same way as even though the org doesn't deserve it, if he came to Europe as Spirit did, you would go to Fnatic because it's Fnatic or G2, in it? The only orgs you know. So the problem I have is this. I don't get the vibe personally he wants to play in the LCS. I think he came now. I think actually it's the experience. If I had to guess, by the way, one of the reasons I have insane respect for people like Corgi, J impact maintain their level year after year after year after year is because if you actually know how hard working Koreans are 
and then you take that mindset and you tell them to work that hard in NA solo queue, you are just going to make someone essentially get depressed. That's all that's going to happen. They're going to get depressed. It's going to be shit practice. Every day they look down the aisle at the computers, by the way, and they're the only one there and their American teammate is in bed or watching anime or with his girlfriend. They are getting more depressed. This is why you have to get two Koreans at a time, by the way. If you don't have Korean coaching staff, they are also going to be depressed even more. They're not going to have the older brother, younger brother. There's so many factors, unfortunately, that play into like Koreans in the West that like, I don't feel like any other org can sort of make him the nest as it was that he could feel comfortable in. So I imagine Percy just goes back to Korea. It's also typically, by the way, if Koreans haven't lived outside Korea, like they are one of the types of people I've found who they don't do very well adapting to like other culture. Like all they do is just take their culture with them and you can get away with it in LA because there's loads of Korean immigrants. That's probably like the second, I, I believe it's like somewhat mad, like the second most amount of Korean people in the world maybe live in bloody LA or the West Coast or something. But even so, like that's that doesn't compare to Korea. You're not in the world that you are there with all your friends, your family, the culture, all the pop music, all the TV. So as a result, most of them, unless it's a great scenario, are going to want to go back. Hence why you've even seen almost every player that went to the LPL come back by now. Yeah, the problem is, though, you've just used like a logical argument for LCS signing policy. And I'm pretty sure every fucking LCS team has just disregarded all of those aspects and is going to go after Summit anyway and try and sign him. The question of whether, you know, that's uh, reciprocal and he wants to do it, but it's going to be, and this would be an unfair comparison for Summit in terms of skill level, but it's going to be a Hooney situation where they're like, Korean import came over. He looked really good in regular season. I must sign him. Like, th there's no doubt there's going to be assembly line of teams coming to sign him. But yeah, so your first point, I think LS is a complete smokescreen when it comes to actually making these guys work. Like, I made the point of, like, the whole reason that you build up a, a team around LS and then it, it goes to shit when he leaves. That's not about the fact that I thought it would work out swimmingly. As I've said, historically, I never thought it would work out swimmingly. But the whole point is you're buying into this idea and this singular vision for what you want to do and yeah in my opinion it was never going to work anyway but I still felt like you had to kind of you know try and push it and fit it and make it work if you're going to put that much resources and all inning that hard into that concept in reality as I said I think LS was actually a smokescreen and doesn't have any ability to control young Korean people at all or at least I've not seen any evidence to suggest that he's some like a Korean whisperer who can make Korean players work in a Western context. Like that's what the casual LS fan believes, I'm sure. And now they have plausible deniability to think otherwise because he got fired before it went to shit, didn't he? So we'll never know, will we? Until he gets another coaching job, they can all live in their little bubble and assume that LS would have made it all work. But as I said from the very start, this guy was never going to last a split. But I don't put it on LS. LS might be, what, late 20s or whatever, but emotionally, I don't feel like he's, you know, more mature than the teenager. Cloud9 and all their, in all their wisdom, with all their resources, they should have known, they should not have done something this stupid. So while that might, might be true about LS, I don't blame LS, I, I blame the org. Am I missing something? Is LS not literally a runaway teenager who went to a foreign continent and became a weird antisocial outcast for who, through cheating and being obnoxious, was massively disliked for about a decade, but then eventually turned out, turned it into charisma and used his game knowledge to become a very interesting uh, but like iconoclastic figure? Like, why would that be the figure you want leading young men? I don't get it. Mate. I'll never get it. Because again, by the way, that doesn't mean I can't be his friend. I'm not being his bloody player. I'm just his friend. Like, I don't get it at all. Me. I don't get what I don't even get by the way I get sort of why he does I, I'll give you a very brief analogy I've never wanted to be an editor-in-chief and edit other people's work but 
once upon a time in esports, like 12 years ago, that was the only way as a journalist you could make a full-time salary and, best part, get an editor off your fucking back who's telling you you won't publish your shit. So essentially, you just had to do it because it was like, even though you didn't want that responsibility, it came with the power that you needed to do what you wanted to do. So I think that's the only reason Ellis... Oh, Ellis wanted to try and implement his ideas. I don't think he really wants to lead fucking young guys and be like the fucking coach like win one for the gipper like he doesn't want any of that shit so like the reason why this is terrible is like they if you actually could read ls himself you'd know this isn't even for him mate this is for no one this is a terrible idea it's an idea on paper that sounds great but then when you have to live the day-to-day reality it's going to work for nobody that's the dumbest part about it all by the way i even see why cloud nine don't just drop all the reasons mate it would only be bad for everyone like, they actually, by the way, spoiler, would look slightly better than they do now. But the point is, even they did look silly for things like this. I'm like, yeah, could, is there not any way you could sort of foresee it, sort of? So it's a shit show for everyone, boys. That's why the idea that it's like a good and a bad side, it's like, grow the fuck up, kids. It's not a cartoon. Uh, the only thing I disagree with there is that it would look good on paper. I don't think it looked particularly good on paper. Yeah, either, it's really. on paper then. I'll, yeah, it's more like it was more. Like, I would also yeah, say, yeah, by yeah. the way, I also think part of why it was done is because it's the curiosity, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. like when he was Jack was saying to me, like, should I sign perks? I told him, well, there is an extra upside actually, which is implied, which is the good part of signing him is you never have to wonder what if. Mm. I think that there was a part of that with the LS one because obviously they're all thinking maybe. Listen, he wouldn't, but if, if in four years he finds some genius shit that breaks it, that could have been my coach. Like, I think I think the, the curiosity was too much for Jack, in my opinion. Curiosity well. killed the Jack. <laughs> Let's move on to our next topic here. Staying in the LCS, talking about everyone's favourite North American, but not North American player, Bjergsen. He won the all-team uh, mid laner. So he, was, he was the best mid, according to the people who voted in the LCS. Had a very good regular season. Well. Um, when it comes to playoffs, however, wasn't really as impressive. And if anything, honestly, uh, for Team Liquid, had had some really disappointing performances. Um, I remember looking at the, the Reddit thread and basically everyone was shitting on Bjergsen. Um, of course, post-game Reddit threads are the place to go for analytical breakdowns. So we all know that's obviously what happened. Um, but more seriously, my, my question to you guys is, you know, the, Bjergsen being on Team Liquid replaced Jensen, who is a very good player in his own right, probably only next to Bjergsen as far as like, accolades go and just overall skill level in that mid lane role historically in the LCS. Do you think Team Liquid maybe regrets that a little bit and should they have stayed with with Jensen? Um, you know, was it a mistake to, 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 to replace Jensen with Bjergsen? I'll come to you first on this one, Don. Uh, I think it was a mistake. I mean, what's mad about this one to me is, I think this is just shows that you hate Jensen if you disagree with me. I know that might sound mad because normally that would be a ridiculous, like, straw man set up, but the reason I'll say it is like this, because this isn't season 10. They're not both just active players that are still playing for years and years and trying to be the best. Bjergsen, by all accounts, we all know this, was not playing like a pro player. He played solo queue and was a coach for a year. So which one is it, fans? Did he moonlight and not do his job as a coach? and actually play to be good enough as a mid laner and an elite mid laner at a top team, including a super team? Or was he actually trying really hard to be a coach and therefore he didn't play and therefore his level wasn't that great and it explains why this year he's not as good as he used to be. So the problem I have is this. The last time I saw Jensen, he was literally carrying games against Korean teams at Worlds. Now, 
I've never seen Jensen do that. Like, maybe, Bjergsen rather, maybe he did it once in season six or something, like in one game. So, to me, it was already night and day that, like, I already, when Jensen and Bjergsen played, thought Jensen was the better player, but it was a 1A, 1B scenario. I think now it's not even close. Jensen would be way better, as far as I can tell. Even all the things you want to mix in, like, yes, here's the difference between Bjergsen and Jensen. All of Jensen's teammates privately, they have, some of them have scepticism, some of them have things they don't like about him. They'll all tell you he's a brilliant player, by the way. Whereas, yes, everyone knows that Bjergsen teammates will all tell you how wonderful he is and all the things he did. I even think Bjergsen's game is a fucking smokescreen. What happened was Reginald and TSM have never had any clue how the jungle and support positions work in League of Legends. And so Bjergsen had to, like, not help those players, even though he's the leader, but make up for them visibly on screen, and therefore that makes him a better player. Like, I don't get that, personally. That's like, if I break the leg of my winger, and then I also, like, run on the left as well, am I better than the striker who scores the same goals as me? Like, isn't it I a striker? Like, I'm not doing his job, am I? Which, am I a winger or a striker? So, I, thought, I always thought the whole comparison was bullshit anyway. But then I also think this year especially has proven to me that, like, if you're Jensen, the only way you can win is to lift the trophy. You will never win in any other court of public opinion. You'll never win with the experts. You'll never even win with the fucking talent on camera. Because all you need to know is this. Even when Bjergsen has an average as fuck split, he gets told he's the best mid laner. People probably would have given this guy the MVP, by the way, if he actually had been the best mid laner, but nobody ever thought that one through, Rich. He was never a contender for MVP. No one thought that through, though. How could Santorin be the MVP candidate for TL, but Bjergsen was the best mid laner? Think it through for a fucking second. For one second. Like, these awards are so stupid because they're voted for by the same people, but it's as though they do the men in black memory wipe before they do the next category. So to me, the whole thing just proves that, like, for TL and for fans, this was the right move. No matter what. What he does and how he plays, Bjergsen will never be blamed. He is never at fault and he is always better. Why? Because you like Bjergsen. So if you like Bjergsen, this was the right move. Since I don't like Bjergsen, or rather I just dislike his fans, I think he's a bit overrated as a player. And I think Jensen was always better. I think Jensen, and I think Bjergsen basically, I can't even, I, I wouldn't even have conceived that he played this bad myself. I even thought he'd have more pop-off games or he'd get his shit together for playoffs. Like I even expected, like it's, remember there's loads of games. By the time you get deep in playoffs, you played about like 40 games or something else. Yeah, so I'm actually amazed I wouldn't do what he was. So even though I can't say Jensen was better in the like empirical sense, he didn't play, he just sat on the sidelines. I'd be I would find it hard to believe Jensen, who came off worlds, would play worse in this split. That's why, by the way, as a side point, even though it's banter, I think Peter Dunn's line was funny, like we would have won far zero with Jensen. It's like, no, here's the thing though, mate. Jensen wasn't in the league. You wouldn't have won if Jensen was in the league. That's actually how it goes, Peter Dunn. You would have lost 3-0 if he was on the other team. Maybe not, but I think you wouldn't have won part way. Oh, what about you, Rich? So you, uh, do you think TL regrets their decision to pick up Bjergsen? Well, I'd first say that the rust that Bjergsen may or may not have had from uh, being a coach and, you know, just playing solo queue is apparently irrelevant because as a Twitter fan pointed out to me, he is, quote unquote, one of the hardest working players ever which obviously he is a great insight to. and uh, scoffed metrics ever, yeah, because yeah. of course the fan has no way of knowing any of that shit. Oh, they? that's what you think. Apparently he can just tell from OPGG. So there you oh, go. But, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to... I'm actually going to... Yeah, I'm actually going to disagree, but I'm kind of playing a bit of devil's advocate here. And the reason why is because I've said this before. I feel like Team Liquid at the moment 
they're like the Dallas Cowboys, as I said. Like I, I'm not even convinced that they're like necessarily trying super hard to win. Obviously, no one's going to say that publicly or whatever, and they shouldn't. But I just feel like the kind of signings that they're making to me are just... It's like they're prioritizing like the big, brash, kind of big name, the wow factor of like the announcement over like having what might be a, a sort of more perfect fit. And I would also put Whippo in that category. Whippo, by the way... Good top laner. I'm not saying he's not a good top laner, but I don't see him being like the perfect person or the correct person for that system. And by the way, when you, whenever you're talking about Team Liquid, yes, it's not quite as easy as saying it's like playing football manager or whatever, but they are the team in the West in the position where it's like you have the most resources. You can spend the most amount of money on a buyout if you want to. They can buy yeah, anyone they want. You, you can pay X amount more than everyone else in salary. So they do have the most amount of carte blanche, at least, to, to sort of pick and choose who they want. So it's like, you know, if someone would say, oh, but Whippo's good. What do you mean they should have got him? It's like, because they could have got literally the best. Like whoever it was, they deem to be the absolute best, most well-rounded person who's going to synergize best with whoever they could have got. I feel, and this might be a bit cynical, but I feel one of the reasons they got Whippo was because of branding, because he'd been involved in so many sort of high profile, you know, incidents and back and forths and because he's good on camera and can give a decent interview when he's not lying through his nose. Like, you know, he 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 brings a lot of pizzazz, let's say, to Team Liquid. Bjergsen's the same. And the other thing with Bjergsen is, remember, it wasn't just a move where it's like, I'm picking between Bjergsen and Jensen. His storyline, the headline that Steve may or may not see is, Bjergsen, the absolute, like, legacy face of TSM player, gets plucked from that organization and plonked in their biggest rivals organization it was a two birds one stone you take their greatest ever asset and you just casually put it in your team and I definitely think that was part of it I think if all things were equal and that wasn't part of it I'm not saying he wouldn't have signed him or whatever but I do think that was part of the motivation as for like you know, he even admitted it. I think he said something like that it was the player he always it's like the player that sort of got away and he didn't get in the back of the day or something like that yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. And of course, Bjergsen did play a role in denying other teams trophies, which maybe to those teams would have felt like they'd have won if they'd had him. So again, it's kind of like what you said with Jack. It's a curiosity aspect as well, maybe. Like, I'll take the absolute gem of this squad, put it in my squad, and we'll see. I mean, to be fair, you know, they had won titles with Jensen and so on. And if we're just looking on a domestic level, maybe he did just want to see what the ceiling was. But my biggest issue with the whole Team Liquid scenario in general, is they're messing, like, they're playing musical chairs with these, like, high-profile big pieces. And, again, the reason why I'm saying I'm taking a slightly cynical approach to this is because I do not believe uh, TL are truly trying to win. And the, my evidence for that is Santorin. And I've said this, and, by the way, I've been completely spot-on on this. Was, but, nom was nominated for MVP, by the way. I, you, Fuck off. Like, I, it it's just, just I, I've said this every single split for the last like three seasons that if you're, if, if your ambition is what you say it is, which isn't just to be successful domestically, which by the way, now Santorin's apparently not even good enough for that or, and hasn't even won a fucking title with them yet. By the way, playing with different players. So let's not just immediately blame the team and call it the team thing. He's played with a bunch of different players in the LCS and never got it in done. In a bunch of different finals. Yeah, yeah. yeah never got it done. And, you said your, you didn't want your ceiling to be domestic. You want it to be international. That cannot happen. And I've, I've been very vocal about this the whole time, as I said, that you will never do anything with Santorin internationally. This guy is so predictable. His pathing is so predictable. He's so easy to exploit from West by Western junglers. And as I said, now you've got people like fucking inspired in the league. 
So you're not going to get away with it on a domestic level either. You're just going to get diffed. So I don't believe that, that TL, whatever they might may say publicly or what have you, I don't believe they've actually truly been trying to win. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that they didn't build a team that they thought could win. I think they did think they could win with this squad, but I do not believe it was the be-all and end-all. And obviously when we're discussing this, or if we were just discussing with this without that context, we'd only really be talking about who is the best squad, how can they win, what are their win conditions. That's not everything that... Uh, teams think about right they do care about brand especially in na so i think we're yeah. rich i've got a good punchline for you as well i heard that like supposedly the reason santorin originally got in tl is that jensen specifically wanted him that's the oh, yeah, maddest yeah, yeah. part of all mate like when i watch this guy i'm the same like like it, it basically he's the opposite of blabber to me he won't have the pop-off game but he'll bit of it like blabber will try and pop off in it right the problem is like pete we're we're the weirdos here mate everyone else thinks he's brilliant Everyone, yeah. every teammate seems to love him. Every fucking team can't get rid of enough of the guy. Like, pff, we're just on the outside of that. He's another player, like I said earlier. They're just hoping that they're the one where he matures enough and doesn't have the problems. Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, you know, seems like a great guy, blah, blah, blah. By the way, it's shit reasons to have someone in the team, but has all the rest of the things. Problem is, just chokes internationally. No big deal, right? He does, this guy, this guy chokes scrims, by the way. Like, I, I mean, remember, I've had Santorin on a team. Like, this guy lacked confidence in a scrim environment now i'm not going to say he was on nearly as good a team this was like the really bad h2k team if you remember so it's not it is a bit apples to oranges but this the, the most prevailing thing the most stark thing that stood out when he was on that team the whole time is and that we were most worried about as well is this guy has no confidence and this is in fucking scrims what's he going to do when he goes on stage and guess what it was the exact same thing but exacerbated he was so hesitant to go in if someone would call a play he'd try and call the play off immediately he didn't want to commit to any kind of dive or any kind of proactive plays that were like the meta at the time it was a nightmare and obviously in na you can get away with this more sort of passive farming style or whatever especially if you've got loads of winning lanes which by the way spoiler we didn't have loads of winning lanes so it isn't quite the same thing Thing. but yeah I, again as you say i think i think santorin's honestly one of the nicest and, mo and more importantly because that's like an easy platitude throughout one of the most professional people i've met in the scene period and i will always say that about him but as a player i see the exact same flaws in him that i've always seen in him so yeah i don't get it at all i feel like santorin having an na residency is, is a big deal as well like he's oh, that is a massive factor as well yes like who else are you gonna? Like you they gonna couldn't take? have this super team without them because they'd have an import slot usually. Right. They? Yeah, exactly. Unless they had Dardock. Yeah, God, not that again. I, I think, honestly, like, I, yeah, I, 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 I like Santorin more than you guys do. Apparently, as a player, I think he's serviceable. I, I, I think he's. No, 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 no. That all I'm going to say is this: right, we're not talking about serviceable. We're yeah. talking about like win LCS and do well internationally. Serviceable is like play in the league. Yeah, cool. Okay, I that's feel fine. like you don't need to be more than serviceable on that roster. Same same thing for why you bring in Bjergsen because you don't okay. need to have that huge. Oh, as in, as in I, like you're not okay. So you're not just saying he's just an LCS. Like you, you mean like serviceable? He could be okay internationally as well. Yeah, yeah. Right, I okay. I just mean something else by that. I think then to okay. me, serviceable is like you're just good enough to play in the league. It's fine. Like that's okay. It's serviceable. Yeah. I think I just I think he's he's fine. Just okay. in whatever context from it. I think he's I don't think he's necessarily the problem. Um, right. I don't think he's the X factor of the team. I don't think he's like, you know, the best jungler they've got in the LCS. I don't think if you bring him internationally you're gonna be like, yo, keep your eyes on Santorin, look what he's gonna do. I don't think so, but I don't think that's necessarily his role either. And that's to bring it back to what we're talking about with, with Bjergsen versus Jensen. I think Bjergsen's better at being that role player as well. And when you've brought in Hans Summer, you've got Hans and, and Core JJ bot side. Okay. 
you've got Whipper in topside. I feel like you have enough of the, enough of that kind of volatility. You have enough of that X factor that, in theory, when you're building the roster, at least having Bjergsen makes a lot of sense. I then agree you with you, but you just reminded me of a good point. That actually, I didn't drop, which is all. I, all I need to know is just like, like Rich can find out if he doesn't know the number. Go and find out if you want a really good fucking sensible chuckle.gif. If you want one of those, Rich, just go and find out how much Bjergsen's getting paid right now. Because it'll make all those arguments that a lot of his fans said the same thing. No, he's trying to be more supportive, though, and kind of like mm. build out the comp. He's getting paid like pretty sweet. Like he is rich as fuck. Like he is. Like I think someone even told me he might be like the highest paid Western player put out with. So here's the problem. Yes, that doesn't automatically translate in the server, but there should be an expectation, in my opinion. If I pay you a king's ransom, you can't just be like, yeah, I'm an all right player. So like, you better be my best player, man. I'm paying you millions. Yeah, that's a fair argument as well. I can't disagree with that. Again, Steve's I, I paid for the brand, hasn't he? That's the thing. Right, like, I, I was going to say, it's more than just on the Rift, isn't it, when you get Bjergsen? I think people also want to play with him. You hear that like yeah, that's every, true. Yeah, yeah. every off-season. Uh, people people cite playing with Bjergsen as to why they've joined I mean, him. The joke is even Bjergsen didn't want to play with Jensen, apparently. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> it went down. So, yeah, yeah. You are, that is definitely so, a distinction. Sure. By the way... Yeah, Sorry, I was just going to say, before before yeah. we move on, just a, a small history lesson for you to sort of contextualise how this whole situation went down, because it's a banger. And by the way, this is actually kind of public. I'm not even like... To, and But when it comes to a, 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 a competing agent, let's say, obviously I don't give a fuck about leaking anything, right? Unless it's in the midst of some legal scenario or something. And this guy, as I've documented recently on Twitter, is a piece of shit regardless. So the guy who owns Surge Management which is an esports agency um, which represents a bunch of uh, League of Legends players or whatever. This guy, Oliver or Olivier or whatever, he is the same person, this is for you really old school people who can remember this, who DDoSed with Jensen. This is the event that Jensen got banned for, by the way. When Jensen got his one-year competitive ban for DDoSing, this was his buddy that he was doing the DDoSing with. That guy owns Surge Management and represents Jensen... And the guy who took his job, Bjergsen, he represents both of them. So, and did so, by the way, when this whole thing unfolded in the offseason. So you've got a situation where someone is basically the best thing that they can hope for realistically, I would imagine, is Jensen's priority is probably to stay as the mid laner for that team. And obviously Bjergsen wants to leave TSM and the best opportunity and the most money he's going to get is by moving to Team Liquid. You have the same individual, although I'm sure afterwards they'll come out and claim, actually, uh, he was assigned to another agent who works in my agency, so it's not... So let's just say you have the same agency, which, by the way, is no different, right? You're still completely colluding, who is facilitating Jensen losing his fucking job and is planting the guy who's taking the guy's job in Bjergsen. So let that, let that simmer for a bit. And by the way, there's a whole load of other shit that this guy's going to get exposed for, but journalists are working on it behind the scenes, so I'm not going to steal their thunder. It'll come out when it comes out. Wow, a bit of a cliffhanger to end on that one there. Is there anything else you guys want to add to the Bjergsen Jensen topic? Are we good to move on? Going once, going twice. Gone. Counter-Strike, CSGO, PGL, Antwerp. Majors uh, just around the corner. It's coming through hot and heavy. Uh, and a lot, of a lot of discussions, a lot of conversation about uh, the broadcast talent that will be working on the show a lot of a lot of familiar faces but a lot of emissions as well uh specifically that no sadakis moses anders no semler um, a few others as well and it's just kind of 
what what's going on what's what's happening there um we had a bit of a you know this seems to be um a, a bit of a, a topic we we discussed before with like Valorant having the same kind of issues where they 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 didn't want to hire some of their most popular talent as well maybe leaking a little bit here in, into into CS:GO for this upcoming major i'm just curious like to get your your thoughts uh, about the situation also anything that you might have especially with you Thorin from talking about the background having worked a, a, in in loads of these events as well you know what, what are your thoughts about the hiring process here about what's going on with with, with uh, the, these organizations and 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 the talent and just in general like what you your whole kind of like situation is here right one problem with this again because i have some behind the scenes knowledge of this but some of this was public because people will know at the last major james bardolph a commentator who conveniently isn't hired for this major i noticed publicized that he claimed he was sort of being like fucked over by the other talent and that we'd sort of like mutinied against him and the old boys club had like arranged for him not to get games and to give them all to like moses and Samuel and whoever the fuck else. i don't even know it was like a pure conspiracy theory basically i had like a grain of truth which was that someone not us changed the fucking format by the way i agree with what they changed it to it actually made the proper people do the right games and the best talent did the games but basically that that whole scenario, because it spawned like right at the end of the tournament, a big shitstorm of like, again, negativity, an event that had already had loads of negativity for things like terrible production, other flaws that you could clearly see. They also hadn't hired a lot of other names people wanted for that major. Basically, I get the vibe that that does inform what has happened at this major. Because first of all, if you look at the names, it looks like someone cynically sat down and said, last major, we got loads of backlash for not hiring these people. For this major, why don't we just hire these people? It's the same list, sir. Yeah, exactly. Like That basically is what they've done as far as I can tell. Secondly, I think the part I said about Bardolph is shaded in because I think some of this is a reprisal. If I look at the names that weren't taken, these aren't actually like people who had anything to do with that in some cases, but they are people who might have been perceived to be part of that old boys club because they are the mainstays of the majors. Like, if people don't know, Yanko's done something like the third most majors in history as an analyst after me and Moses. Moses, not only as an analyst, has done the second most majors ever, has done like half a dozen majors as like a caster and other roles and it's basically one of like the like mainstay features who nobody has ever complained about working with probably the most amiable professional people you ever meet and then anders is just the voice of counter strike and has been at all might have been at every major except i think one that red eye didn't hire him to or something spoiler it was actually the one i was at so that's why i remember that one well at so anyway there's that whole thing. And then on Sadakist's one, by the way, probably the best big arena caster in esports, but apparently they don't want him. If people don't know, he indirectly spawned the drama that I was just referring to with Bardolf, because what happened was when he was travelling from Romania to Sweden, because we had the first portion, we were remote in a studio in Romania. Well, he was travelling from Romania to Sweden. He made the mistake of choosing his connecting flight as being in fucking Germany, not Netherlands, like the rest of us. Well, here's the thing. If you ever had any slight thing wrong with your passport that meant you might not get in, maybe Germany's not the place to go and check your papers, please. Like... This guy didn't even think that one through. So anyway, he got scoppered and unfortunately, because PGL had fucked up this, they hadn't intended to remember for us to be on site. They actually had made it so that our travel day was the day off between the previous phase and the playoffs. So because he couldn't travel, it was just over. There wasn't any time left. There was no contingency. You couldn't fly him home and fly him back. You couldn't find a replacement. Like You couldn't do anything. So basically, the last event was so fucked in so many different public and private ways that I do think it informed a lot of how this event was done. 
Then you've got to add in as well. I've also heard some weird shit. Like they were taking some of those aforementioned names, some of the most legendary people in Counter-Strike. And by the way, people like Moses and Yanko are even doing all the events now. And I've been for the last year since I stopped being coaches. They're not even people who've been out of the game. I've heard they also had like weird fucking things placed before them. Like if you don't do the RMR, I won't hire you to the major. By the way, that doesn't even apply if you look to some of the people who've been hired to the major. Some of them didn't work the RMR. And some of them, by the way, are nobodies and didn't work the RMR. So some of it's wild to me so anyway there's a lot of fuckery in that sense the last thing i would say is this so i just think some of it's incompetence petty spite which is a massive factor in hiring in esports and people don't know there might be the fact that people might perceive that we certain not me specifically because i was actually asked to be hired but other people in that group were troublemakers and caused them problems that hurt their company blah 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 I'll even throw in one last one, which is like, to be fair, newer people charge less and are more grateful to get the, the gig. If you're someone like Moser Anders, you make sure you get what you're worth or you don't attend the event. That's actually just the reality of the in, the industry. They're also older guys. They're not 18-year-old idiots just trying to buy a new pair of Yeezys with what they're getting. And then the final thing for me, because what people might know, and again, every hater will always lie, because sadly, Rich, I'm in a world where if I'm hired to the event, their event's corrupt and they've hired someone no one wants and I'm not good, even when the event doubles the, the viewership record of any in history but then when I'm not hired to the event that's proof that I was never actually like relevant in the industry anymore and finally they figured out and they don't want me so even when I say I'm not hired but I was asked they always just say I'm lying anyway so me and Richard were actually asked to work this event but we both declined as far as I know Richard declined because he just didn't like the way the last one went and he also he actually agrees with the sentiment this is where he's actually a very unique individual he actually agrees with the public sentiment that like maybe the old boy shouldn't be hired anymore like because his, his whole shit's just sort of like he thinks it's a young man's game esports so to him it's sort of like it's time to let the others have their turn. It's time to let Freire have her turn or Shocks to come in and do CSGO, which is whatever. In my particular case, A, I wouldn't really want to work the event anyway after the last one. Like, if people don't know, the last one was one of the worst events I've ever worked and it was a fucking world championship in Counter-Strike in 2021. I think that's unacceptable. Like, I shouldn't be having, like, 2015 amateur semi-pro events in fucking Serbia compared to your world championship in 2021. You fucked up immediately. And then secondly, if people didn't see at the end of 2021, you can go look at this news up, it'll be on all the games website, PC Gamer, etc. They announced that they would have vaccination status for 2022 going forwards. Every attendee, initially it said every attendee, including fans, by the way, it said everyone who attended the event, who people who worked the event and the players all had to have. I, here's the thing. Like all of those things, this actually gets into part of my issue. No specifics, by the way. They didn't even say which specific one or what would the thing be or what would the status be by then. They just said the same thing. They did the same trick everyone's done in media where they presented it as a binary on-off thing and you're either all in or you're all out. And in fact, people might have noticed that. Has anyone else noticed how uncomfortable it is when someone who, by the original status, was all in is now all out and treated as though they're like a set? Weird how that works, isn't it? So basically, my problem is this. As soon as I saw that regardless of my own status, I would never work an event like that. If people don't know, this is the sort of topic, by the way, that like the Nuremberg trials were about. They were about topics like what you can like in demand of like the populace, like what you can do to them, by the way. So I think actually, if people don't understand, let's just set a premise for a second, right? Imagine someone went to this event, right? And they didn't have this status that PGL demands. What's going to happen? They're not ill, by the way. We haven't got any proof they're ill. We haven't proved that someone knowingly went who was ill at an event. We haven't proved, by the way, that anything would happen. Would the illness transmit to someone else? That's, in fact, a whole topic that people would say the narrative's changed on the last year. It's not about transmission anymore, is it? But that's the whole premise for how you build this. The premise goes, if we let them in, we make the event more unsafe, therefore we can't do it. Then you add in the secondary element, which is if what you're doing had ever stopped transmission, 
then by definition, it wouldn't be a problem for you because you've already stopped it, so you wouldn't be safe. So you're already questioning your own premise here by saying people can't attend. And then the third one, and the most important one, is this. PGL cannot be sued if you take a vaccination and have an adverse effect. You can't even sue your government. You voluntarily did all of that. And so guess what? When you carry the personal responsibility for anything that happens to you, it's a basic moral principle. Only you can be asked to make that decision as long as you are an adult of voting age or whatever. I mean, obviously, they don't allow children to do these things. Like so all I would say is this. I don't think it's in any way PGL or any fucking video game tournament's position to tell anyone else in the world through coercive means that they must do something that could have serious consequences to them individually and only them and only they will carry their liability and then act as though... Oh, just being reasonable, asking for this. Actors are not a big deal. Even better, virtue signal like you're the good guy because you did this. By the way, you do know there's an implication within them putting those restrictions in place that they are co-signing that these things are safe, that they are totally effective, that they do all the things. How would they know? PGL aren't scientists. They haven't commissioned a study. They said the whole thing is such fuckery. It's unbelievable. And so personally, I can't be a part of that. I can't be a part of a, of a scene where, I'm going to, where we're going to coerce any player and tell them you don't get to play the World Championship unless you do this thing. But, but what's the connection? You must just do it. But why, though? Is, have you done, like, a special... No, no, just do it because I say so. And if you don't, you don't get to attend. Oh, but if I do it, then something goes wrong, though. What happens? Just all on you, innit? None of it on me. And the last detail, an area I think a lot of people would be shocked if they looked into this area, because it would it would immediately... These, these ideas of... The idea of who can tell you to do it evaporates when you look into this. Like the liability one. Look into things like... What is the insurance liability of a tournament like PGL? Like, if you get sick normally, if you went to a PGL event, right, and had sex in a bathroom with someone, right, or, I mean, remember the classic one of HIV, the old lie was that you just sat on a toilet seat and you got it. Let's, let's imagine that existed, right? You sat on a Do you think that you can sue PGL for getting HIV? Of course you can. So the whole thing is stupid virtue signaling mixed with medical hysteria, mixed with making demands of people through coercive means to our young people that to do their job, a totally unrelated matter, they have to do something that you yourself know nothing about. You'll just go along with the narrative like everyone. But instead of just saying, because I, I, like everyone, I'm just going along with it, I'll make my decisions, you're trying to coerce their decision. I think that's morally wrong. I think it's actually reprehensible. And by the way, I will never be a part of any TO who does that. So anyone who mirrors that, anyone who says, I don't, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, they could have 50 more CSGO majors. If this happens, I'll never work another one. Right. So, uh, so just to sum summarize, you're against the fact that there are vaccine mandates for the people attending the the major, and that's... I think it's immoral for them to demand that. Right. It's not that the you? country the country didn't demand it, the venue didn't demand, they just demanded it. The the people organizing the tournament. And uh, Rich, what are your thoughts? I actually want to get you to piggyback on what the point that Thorin just made, not necessarily about the talent, but just in general, like your thoughts on 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 that as we kind of do move out of. You know, the, the, the kind of like isolating era and the lockdown era and as things are, you know, kind of opening Chuck up. Chuck, one last detail on, by the way, Foxtrot, because another interesting thing is this. It's one thing that they made that rule last year. Like, they actually made it, by the way, right around the time of the major. So I'm going to say, like, you know, autumn last year or whatever. But here's the interesting detail. Just a few days ago, they dropped that particular requirement for attendees of the event. Like, if you're a fan, you don't have to have that anymore. Because, by the way, people were finding that that was a problem. Like, people would say, like, I'm coming from, like, Australia or whatever. Like, does this one work? And it was causing so many problems, they just dropped it. 
it, mate, because they knew they otherwise too many people are going to get the word like, I wouldn't bother going. So the joke is they're not even sort of going all whole hog anyway. They've told people you had to do it to like play, but at the end they've sort of softened it for fans anyway. Because as you say, it, yeah. the, the story's changing, right? The story has changed since, you know, autumn last year. Yeah, so, I mean, my, my take, first of all, was like sort of a holistic one in terms of like general uh, scenarios involving uh disease pandemics or whatever um obviously i'm i'm personally like pro vaccine and obviously the government's making and provide it or not the government's the outsourcing to private companies to like make and provide vaccines obviously when it comes to coronavirus because of how fast especially the turnaround was for them getting them out there are obviously question marks or questions that everyone should ask about but how, what is the actual evidence of like potential long-term effects? Are there any side effects? Do we have enough data? Blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. And ultimately, I think you as an individual should have the uh, volition to go out and do your own research, basically, and then come to a decision about whether you want one or not. Personally, yeah, I am vaccinated. I did my own research, but I also did get my vaccine thinking there's definitely some level of risk. Like when I did my research and concluded that on balance, I think this will be worth it for me. My girlfriend lives in another country, for example. So obviously this was during the height of the pandemic. So let's say in uh, 2020 or whatever, um, it would have been an absolute nightmare. Like there were certain points I wouldn't have been able to travel full stop. And I just felt risk versus reward. It was worth it for me. But I think everyone deserves the right to have that choice. And I think mandating something like that is mandating the idea that you get a foreign object injected into you i think is evil i think it is pure evil now when it comes to having um policy around it that's completely different there, there can be nuance which i could actually uh, absolutely get on board with for example with the traveling stuff right for non-vaccinated people uh, at a certain point in time it was the case that if you were not vaccinated, then you were required to go a little further and beyond with like pr proving that you were negative and stuff like this. But there was a path. But, but you know, if you're going to book a flight, it didn't really inconvenience you that much. It was a little bit of extra paperwork. And if you had all the things that tick the boxes, you got to travel. You were not discriminated against from traveling. It was just slightly more of a hassle because you hadn't opted into something, right? And that was at least based somewhat in science, even if the science is not total and complete so i'm fine with that and if this event had said for non-vaccinated uh, players or whatever can you please take whatever a pcr test or something before that's the what event? it was for last year's by the way as far as i know i think that right. actually was what the 21 20 that's why they said it was for this year onwards they were changing yeah. the states I think, I think that's what it used to be yeah i mean personally based on what it was I, just negative pcr before yeah i think based on what i know to be honest i personally probably would just make that a rule for everyone if i was going to make it a rule to be honest but even if you did say for all unvaccinated people, you have to do this. I'm not going to kick up a fuss about it and be like, oh, this is outrageous. At the end of the day, it's a fucking little nostril test. Like, come on, like, it's not a big deal. There are more important things to complain about. So having policy around stuff like vaccination, I think is completely fine. Again, devil's in the detail. There would be policy which would go way too far and be outrageous that I disagree with. But as I said, I think the idea that you mandate people putting foreign objects in their bodies to play a fucking video game at your event. And then even worse, as Thorin said, I didn't know this, but the, the idea that they actually have like disclaimers on their site, or not even disclaimers, justifying language on their site, which says, don't worry, it's safe. And it like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, that's I don't know just, if she says that. I'm just saying it implies that. Okay, I mean, well, either way. If, you, if you're going to say everyone has to have this, the implication is we know there's, there's no problems. Yeah. 
that's it. That's implied. Yeah, you're you're you ta- signing it. Yeah. You're tacitly endorsing it yes. at the very at the very least. So yeah, I, which I, is weird. in itself is weird because again, remember, PGL come from Romania. This event's in Belgium, but people are going to come from around the world, right? If people don't know, probably this. Why? Why I alluded to earlier, but I maybe wasn't overt enough. It was this. People kept saying before, like, have you had the vaccine? What are you talking? What vaccine? There was about seven, wasn't there? And some of them had totally different technology. It wasn't the Chinese one like an old school vaccine? It wasn't the one in Russia like differently developed? It wasn't the UK one a different one? And it wasn't in America. They had like three different ones, and one was in America. Like these are again. This is the pr- the problem. It's like it, the implication here isn't even just that. Like this is an event in Romania where PGL Romania, and somehow we know that the Romanian one's great. They're just implying every single one in the entire world is good. And and is it good for this event? Like what? Are you, that's not even a policy, Rich. That's just nonsense, mate. You know what I mean? Like, policy would have specifics. Yeah. So, And as I said, I think there was, like, good systems in certain countries where it's, like, regardless of if you're uh, vaccinated or not, you basically have an app which has your updated status as whether you have COVID or not. And then, boop, scan, and boop, scan. And it might be a slightly different code or different interaction, depending on if you're vaccinated or not. But ultimately, it was just a, a, a small bureaucratic thing which allowed everyone to do whatever it was they chose to do so long as they could prov- prove that they were not a threat to other people's health which is completely fair and reasonable the people who bat- uh, beat their chest and say sure i might have covid but you have to let me in anyway that's an objection of my uh, obstruction of my freedom obviously that's a load of nonsense like there should be health and safety when it comes to covid there should probably be certain policies or whatever just you know, with with any other uh, conditions as well. By the way, I obviously. By the way, there's a mad detail that is the case, though. As far as I know, as far as I know, there is zero possible exemption to this. Yeah, no, it's, it's... So as in, even if you came rich with a, me- this is why I also I alluded to it, but I didn't go heavily into it because no one's going to have a lawsuit. You could do absolutely sue over this if you're a pro player. Like, imagine you were a pro player, rich, who could have a medical note from a doctor saying this person cannot have vaccine. By the way, it could be as simple as you're someone who just can't like be around needles. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's people who have that problem or hemophiliac. Or I don't know. I'm trying to obviously spitball some percentage. But in that scenario, like that same person, because this isn't based on anything, it's just an arbitrary decision. That person also wouldn't be allowed to play now just knowing what i know basically about like denying people's livelihood i'm pretty sure that's like morally quite like legally questionable rather yeah no it's as i said honestly i i just feel that any kind of actual full-on mandate which does not allow for exceptions or a little bit of bureaucracy for people to partake i i I think it's pure evil and again it's the word it's it's evil manifesting as being righteous and- there's the other thing I should throw in as well, mate. Fuck, I forgot one detail. There's one key detail that also makes a lot more sense of this, by the way. Right? I don't know how much this was made public, but if you follow social media and Dota, you will have seen this. Last year, TI was also held in the same place in Romania, right before the CSGO major began, right? And something like three of the talent at TI, basically, I heard behind the scenes they were just going out like partying nightclubs or whatever, but they basically all popped for COVID, right, during the event, though. And that's the reason why, suddenly, like, the next day, it's like everyone had to have masks on the actual broadcast even like when they're on there so unfortunately i do get a vibe by the way that some of this is based around like the the optics of seeming like you fixed that problem rich like it's never going to be an issue again because remember some of that you're even doing maybe to just signal to valve or something you know like look i got that that problem will never happen again so it's almost that like that kind of vibe i had you know yeah yeah and and as as for sort of the more um 
holistic casting side. I think ultimately, and obviously Thorin knows much more about this than I do from the sort of insider perspective. But... The thing, though, you've watched CS for fun, though, right? Is it yeah. just an observer? Right, I would actually ask you this, right? Based, obviously, we're not going to go through all the names, but you look at the name that were hired. Look, there's obviously some very good people in there. It's mainly the new school people. If you look at the old names, look, some of them aren't as good as they used to be, but some of them are legend people. Would you actually have picked like one or the other? Like, do you think there was egregious ones that were left out or put in? What do you think? Well, the the thing is. I think, like... That's by the way, most people in CSGO, if you could be on a show in CSGO like this, you already have an obvious bias. You'll know some of the people, you're friends with them. Yeah. You're in a, more of, like, a neutral position, so I wonder just as a viewer what you... Yeah, think. I mean, the thing is, I do. I would say I, I have a slight bias in that, obviously, I was involved in the CSGO scene for a, a bit, and I paid, or I, I was, like, even more sort of involved in it or uh, watching it and everything back then than I even do now even though i watch like pretty much all of the big tournaments now so i'm a bit biased to some of the older school guys like i still think even though they might not have quite the same relationship they did i'm still i love anders and semler together i think henry g and sadakist is arguably the greatest casting duo of all time um so the fact that three of those names already are not there and then obviously moses who is maybe the most versatile possibly in terms of like the analyst work yes. he can do as well so I mean, arguably, you've got you're missing the top four from from that. Um, if we ignore, in terms of the people who had made themselves available, like obviously yourself and Richard, I don't count because if you remove yourself from contention, yeah, exactly. then it's yes. whatever. Absolutely. But in terms of the pool of people that they had to pick from, I mean, when I was actually reading the list, I read the list of people that weren't in it first. And I misread that as the people who were in it, and I was, right. I was thinking, why are people complaining? Like this looks pretty good so far. I can and see then, by that. yeah, yeah, and then I was like, oh wait, okay, yeah, it's the inverse. So yeah, for me, Sadikis and Henry G are probably the best ever duo, and closely followed by, as I mean, I'll say it because, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's Anders and Semler aren't as good as they used to be in my opinion, but I think they're still very high tier, and they would be my second favorite duo. So, and yeah, Moses is probably, as I said, the best. Uh, you know, to use a cricketing term, all-rounder. So, yeah, I, th I think there, there are big emissions there. But again, I do think as a private company putting on an event, ultimately, it's at your discretion. And I think as long as there aren't huge controversial issues that are being dealt with, they should be able to pick whoever the fuck they want and not oh, get any backlash. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it, it would more be on individual issues where if I knew, for example, that Moses had been excluded because of X or Y or similar, you know, had a particular issue with saying, for example, you know, m mandated vaccines are evil and I stick up for this player who couldn't show up and he doesn't get hired as a result of that, then obviously I take issue with that. But um, yeah, I, I, I would not pick that list if all things were equal, but I also do understand that if I'm trying to make a profitable event, uh, lol, uh, then I would probably also know that these people are more expensive than some of the ones I went for. So yeah. I'm a bit conscious of the time, so I'm going to move on to our last topic of the day here. We're talking uh, from one FPS to another with Valorant. Uh, some pretty big news, actually, about the, the new partnership model that Riot has uh, has announced. Uh, apparently, Riot's going to be paying organizations to be part of their, their circuit. So that's going to be very unique, kind of interesting. Obviously, Riot being uh, the, the owners like, with League of Legends have a very different format. The Franchise League, it's the same one you see in, like... Overwatch and COD and all, all these leagues as well. Going to be different this time around in Valorant. Um, obviously, not the full details haven't come out just yet, but just of what you've uh, what we've seen so far, the news that's come out right now. I want to get your your opinions, guys, on on how you how you feel about that and just your 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 initial impressions. 
Uh, Rich, I'm going to come to you first. Valorant's partnership model, what do, you, what do you think about it all and is it a good change from the, from the rest of the esports scene? So yeah, first of all, I'm a little bit suspicious about... Because it, it reads like too good to be true. Like if you look down most of the articles that have covered this and you're like, what? Uh, no buy-in. Oh, they're actually going to get stipends. What's this? Third-party tournaments. What's this? Leagues and then more international tournaments. It's like... If I was a League of Legends specific fan, I'd be really pissed off reading all of this. I'd be like, what? These are all the things I want in League of Legends and you're saying that they're going to be here. Now, again, the proof will be in the pudding. It's very easy to come out and make these broad uh, concept announcements without going into any detail. And again, Devil will be in the detail there. So we're just assessing right now what has been publicly made available. And the thing I'm kind of suspicious of, again, me being a bit cynical, but I think that part of the reason it's structured like this is because you're going to see a huge overlap between the orgs who have bought into the LCS and the LEC. And I think this is almost like being set up as like a reward for like their participation and how much money they've already put in. Because obviously, you know, I believe those, well, almost all of those teams are getting diminishing returns, at least from their League of Legends division. And I think that Riot know that there's no way that a lot of these teams are going to just lump in more money with Valorant when the current league has not been monetized properly yet, right? So I think, as I said, there's going to be like a lot of hidden costs here or I don't believe that this is going to end up being as simple and as amazing as it looks from a investor perspective. But I do think you're going to basically see what happens. And by the way, you reference like there'll be an application process, right? My prediction is that basically any team in the LCS or the LEC that wants to be in, barring extreme circumstance, will get in. I think that they're, I, as I said, I think there's, this is basically like a reward scheme almost for the fact that the teams are bought into the LEC and the LCS and basically none of them have managed to make anything of it financially. And now this is like a, a maybe a smart play by Riot to kind of appease that and buy more time in that sense. Um, so yeah, obviously I, I, when I look at this, I see a lot of things that I like. The third-party tournaments, as I said before, I think is a great change. The idea that maybe you can have an element of franchising while still keeping a somewhat open-circuit model-ish. Again, that sounds amazing on paper. The reality of how it'll work, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it it looks great. But, you know, it's like a, a leggy blonde. Like, I have no idea what her personality is like yet. So I'll have to wait and see on that. <laughs> Okay, don't worry, I want to hear your, your opinion as well. Is it a leggy, are you into blondes like riches? <laughs> Thing is, I actually think some of this, look, it's better than what they currently had because I actually think the Valorant circuit, this is how you know Valorant. Like when they, like it's anyone, like I know you guys didn't follow it as a league, like Fox, you don't care about the Overwatch League, right? I don't think you ever followed it, I'm assuming, right? But do you I remember remember when it first launched though, on that first day on Twitch, everyone tuned in, it had like 400,000 views. Do you remember that? Right, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Essentially, Overwatch League was a social phenomenon that lasted a week. It wasn't actually a professional sports league with all the revenues, but it did deliver that. That first thing it did deliver, it was an event, wasn't it? It was a moment, it was a big thing, right? So, similarly, right, Valorant has been like that as far as I can tell because obviously it's a newer game than CSGO. So, oh, imagine all the things that are possible for people who are really interested to get into it. I've even heard, by the way, people the whole reason all the big Western orcs already got in is exactly because they've been expecting any year now there will be an 
LCS for it. So get your foot in the door now. Maybe even have a player or two or know the space. By the way, also, as is implied with this thing, where some people get to be partners and get paid, and then some people can maybe play but aren't partners. That's essentially, as far as I can tell, a slap on the wrist for people who want to come in late and just want to be part of a franchise league, but don't want to have to put in the years of wasting money. So what they're sort of doing there is greasing the palms of all the friends and acquaintances of Riot that came in early, as far as I can tell. And also, by the way, you'll notice the implication there is if we release another game, you better be the first one in again, aren't you? That's the way it's going to be. It's almost... I love to draw this analogy. It's almost a bit like NFTs and whitelisting, isn't it? It's sort of a similar vibe almost with this. But no, no, no. Those are a Ponzi scheme where nothing comes of it, right? And everyone loses their money. But anyway, enough about losing all your money because that's what Valorant is. One of the weirdest things, the reason I set that up is because aside from novelty, marketing, wanting to be friends with Riot, there are actually very few reasons to be in Riot over CSGO. And yet the majority of North American big orgs are in Valorant, but are not in CSGO at all. Now, one of the reasons I heard from people like Monty was that a lot of team owners, that would actually be just like Fortnite was a few years ago, that's the new thing that the pleb investor says. He goes, and do you have one of these Valorant teams? Like, that would actually happen in meetings. And so the point is, you get one, just so that when the question comes and the guy goes, do you have a Valorant team? Like, you just say, yes, I do. That's part of the portfolio. We have all the big games, you know. So the reason I bring this up is this. In CSGO... Dan Fiden, who if people don't know is like the CSGO version of Jack, who both worked for Cloud9, right? He basically publicly even said when we started the Flashpoint League, Cloud9 loses millions of dollars with their CSGO team and in revenue back from the org, from the leagues, etc., makes hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you can see the drop off there, it's, you just lose, you're just bleeding money. So the real reason I find that weird, though, is this. You don't get any more money in Valorant, as far as I can tell. Like, where's the Lufer agreement in Valorant where you get a cut of the TO's? There isn't one. And by the way, the TO, it's not an open circuit. Like, you have other tournaments and leagues, but ultimately, there are three real lands last year. There are two this year. Like, there is fuck all in Valorant. Like, the joke is, they started with, like, and I almost think, by the way, this is like when the League of Legends mod every April Fool's don't moderate the subreddit and in fact even more disingenuous flood it with shite and then they try to make the message like see now you need our restrictive totalitarian modding or it has to be like this and you're like I'm pretty sure there's like a middle ground. With that. No, no, no. It has to be all or nothing. So basically, it's like that vibe. They started with like a scoffed, shitty, fake open circuit like CSGO has. And we're like, if you come in, it'll get better. This, in my opinion, is the middle ground. I think this is where they start to like sort the wheat from the chaff Bible verses there. And they figure out who's going to be there for long term and who they're going to let go. And then I think this will be the transition point. And I think maybe in a year, two years from now, they'll do an LCS. And even though I agree with Rich, they'll let them all in now. That's when they will do the fucking calling, the red wedding, and there will be the 10 teams remaining afterwards in the LCS and NA, and there'll be the ones in Europe. And there'll be. I think eventually it will go to the league model, I would imagine, personally. And so, and not least, because the more you look at Valorant, if you actually watch the tournaments and how they run it, they have no idea what they're doing with an FPS. They think it's just League of Legends, the FPS or something. Like, they don't get a million of the concepts out there like some of the lot some of the th things they have in their game are so scuffed if you know like how fps games are in a different way from moba so i personally think it's a positive but i also think the expectation level was f set fairly low and it's one of those ones where i would just be a bit tempered with the excitement because even though i think it will actually make the next year of valorant better i have my concerns it's sort of like we're fattening up the fucking pig and he's going to be slaughtered into and as we know, I I don't like that. I don't like pigs being slaughtered. I mean, I just wow. tied it back into the intro for you. That's all right. A nice, it's all good. nice bookend. There. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Do you what do you think the chances are that this goes well and is sustainable? And right, it's like you know what, 
franchise leagues not generating enough hype. Let's bring in some events. Let's do more international events. I would love that personally, yeah. Do you think that's realistic or is that just a pipe dream? The problem is this. Like, I can go a little bit more into what I said about how, like, essentially they didn't really do a proper open circuit to me. Like, here's the problem. They haven't even tried the CSGO circuit. Like, even the way they make their tournaments in Valorant, Foxtrot, is just like, they think it's league again. What they do is they give each region, like, a set number of slots. You play a massive online thing, like a, like a domestic season almost, as it were, with the playoffs. And then you qualify to the big tournament. But then when you get there... Because, it, like, here's the difference, right? You know how in Worlds, one of the reasons why every now and then you'll get a crazy upset, like ANX beats, like, Rocks Tigers, the best team in the world. And you're like, that shouldn't even be possible. That's, like, number one losing to, like, number 100, right? But one of the reasons it's possible is because those teams never interact in any way. They, are to, they may as well be from other fucking planets. Like, at that point in time, that guy could have a totally different way of playing. That's what Valorant's like. Because in Valorant, the joke is they just had a LAN where all the minor regions were just as good as all the major regions, and there is no, like, NA's the best. And the reason why is because in CSGO, it's like this. The circuit just is Europe and North America. So if you're Europe and North America, you play every tournament. If you're from China, you come one in every three, one in every five tournaments, and you're off in your little region, which is worse. Whereas in this game, as far as I can tell, like, it's just, like I say, it's just a way more scuffed version. So I actually don't think they ever give, like, fans what they want. Like, I think people would love with Varric to see a CSGO-type circuit. And obviously, if you've Riot, by the way, since you control it, you could actually do what we can't do in CSGO. In CSGO, it will always be oversaturated because people like ESL will try and crush the space of the others. The others will try and encroach on ESL space. It's all a battle for territory. Riot has all the territory. Riot could actually choose for real to do, like, say, right, we're going to do, let's look at what the best of CSGO would be. Let's say a big international event every month and a half with, like, a smaller one. Between. They could just do that. They could do it tomorrow. But the problem is, I don't think it's their business model. I think they know what they've done in league. I think that's their blueprint. And I think they, I think it's step, step by, it's a, it's a stepping stone process to get there, but I think they're going to get there eventually. That's my thought on what they do anyway. So it's I think it can work. Opinions. Yeah. But it's pretty funny, by the way, how when they did the announcement, the accompanying uh, image they give for like deep connection to in-game competitive, expanded, changes it's actually literally a pyramid. I don't know if you've seen it, but that, <laughs> so, surely someone had to have a word in the air and be like, let's make it a circle maybe or a rectangle like why is it a the joke is when i did my valorant show which is going to come out like tomorrow or something geo who's a female commentator who's like my co-host in it she even made the joke like it's not a multi-level marketing system but that is what you think that is yeah. what you think when you see that in it like it's like if i see that on some sort of like, like what is this shit like <laughs> and also by the way if you don't want people to think you're shadowy overlords who sort of control the space like and, and try to like influence people's minds maybe don't use like any sort of pyramid shape yeah iconology you know i'd maybe go for like, i don't know circle or something it's nice and open i guess like the one thing we didn't touch on which is like kind of interesting is that and i, I again this hasn't been fleshed out at all uh, you'll notice that by the way this guy said a lot while saying very little like we have some very broad There's almost more details you'll yeah, notice yes. no details at all but they did yes. allude to this uh i don't even know what it was but it's like this i guess it's like solo queue or something but it's like this system where it almost sounded like ranked five in league if you remember when we had ranked fives in league where the non-pro teams can qualify for tournaments yes, or something it was, through. it was their path to pro right yeah. is what, they, they were, they, what they were sort of implying yeah this is why it, it, it was vague was weird they were almost implying they're going to create a system like rich is saying it almost sounded like they're going to create a system where you and your friends make like a rank fives team but then they'll have tournaments that you can eventually one day be in the same bracket as like yeah. the real pro teams like which by the way 
I can't even believe in 2022 that's still an idea that's been... We're still, Rich, putting out the idea of the movie from, like, 1983 called The Wizard. We're still doing that in eSports. Yeah. This is mental, mate. Because if anyone doesn't get it, like, only an idiot really thinks, you know, I, we don't know who they are, but there might just be, like, five players out there who are the best in the world, but they just haven't had a chance to... Got, like, people actually believe that shit in, like, games companies, you know. Game devs, by the way, in general, are really plebs like that. They really think... It's why people like Riot always make their game for the... Ple they think that the, that Bjergsen is just a pleb who just got really good. They don't know, like, you know, he's essentially a sportsman and just dedicated his whole life to it. And the way that he plays and practices means that, like, me and you will never be as good as him, even if we had the skill, because he's done all the rest, hasn't he? Like, he's done... We aren't, we aren't pros, but they still act as though he's just... He's just a really good league player. Like, he isn't... He's a sportsman. Yeah, and, yeah, the thing that people don't get as well is, like... Stuff like this is gonna. It's so hard to police, and it's gonna be so easily abused. And what's the cheating? Yeah, and what's gonna fit and everything? Exactly, and and yeah, and also play it because it'll be a big thing on stream, won't it? All these guys who you know tens and all these people who like have big streaming uh, platforms as well, they'll play it. And what will happen is the top fifty, let's say, will be like random, random cheater, actually good player, pro player, pro player, random, random pro player, pro and it's like. If you're having some qualifying tournament or some path to pro or whatever through the system, it's just going to be like muddied, weird mixed teams where people are fucking around when they're bored and can't be asked to play, you know, scrims or a normal rank mode. So, yeah, and that was basically one of the problems with like ranked five as well, right? Is that actual like loads of really good players who already were in salary positions made teams. And then it's like, oh, well, it's the top five qualifying teams, but this team doesn't really count because they're actually just a pro team. Oh, actually, these ones aren't, but they're like a mixed team of different pros from different teams, so they're not out. And then you go like 17 deep, and that's your fifth qualifier from the rank five ladder. And it's like, it's just a big fucking mess. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's, it's again, the problem with all of these concepts is they sound to a pleb a magical on paper, but when you actually dive into or speculate about the, what the details are going to be, it's kind of difficult to see how it's going to work. And again, something I've kind of been like working on in the background for like the last nine months or so is trying to come up with a system where basically, for better or worse, uh, girls will actually have an opportunity or the best possible opportunity to create an opportunity for themselves. And either they do or they don't. Either it falls on its flat on its face because it was never a thing that was possible, or it's going to be a, an amazing revolutionary thing. But it's actually so difficult to put something together which eliminates all of the pitfalls while providing all of the requisites that would need to happen for the project to be a success. That it's like, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. It's really fucking hard to put together. And I think, like, as I said, the problem is I could tell you, hey, Thorin, Fox, there's going to be a, le uh, uh, a solo queue league which intersects uh, female players and gives them an incentive to, to climb ELO. And what's going to happen in two years' time is actually the incentives are going to be such that suddenly loads of amazing female players are going to emerge. You think, oh, brilliant, amazing. But if you ask me to describe what that looks like and how that's actually going to work, right now I can't. Like, I've, I've no fucking clue. I mean, I have some ideas, but it's really fucking difficult. So, yeah, these path to pro things, you know, uh, a lot of it is pipe dreamy. And unless you really have your shit together and put a lot of time into it, which is, as I expect, which is one of the reasons they've been so vague. I don't think they actually have a clue. This is lots of wooden doors. You're like, oh, wow, what's behind the door? But you can probably punch your fist through that door and look in the hole and see there's nothing there yet. Like, I don't think they even know what they want to do with this stuff yet. So it's a lot of interesting concepts, but I don't think any of it's really fleshed out.
And by the way, I'll make a prediction right now. They say 2023. I guarantee this will be delayed. I'm going to say 2024. Like the first version of this actually happens. I don't think this is happening anytime soon. So real quick, are you optimistic about the future of, of Valorant Esports, Thorin? Compared to what it was before, yes. What about you, Rich? Yeah, I mean, if if only half of the things that they've talked about sort of come to fruition in a semi-competent manner, then sure. I mean, it's got a big player base regardless. It does really well on, in, in streams. Um, it has this kind of aspects that League used to have a lot more of at the start of League, where actually the... Uh, the big streamers were like pulling just as much viewership collectively as like the biggest tournaments. And they've got that going for them right now, which is really good for getting people invested in individual players and so on. So yeah, I think at the moment, um, but I, I, I envisage that things will keep going along the same trajectory. I think Valorant and CSGO will be relatively uh, similar. I don't think Valorant's going to like storm ahead of CSGO or anything. I think CSGO is still set up as an eSport to create the most possible hype moments in any game right now. Uh, and I don't think the way Valorant structured that, that it can really take that away. And League will still be top dog, right? I could see a world where they both just cruise past Dota like no problem. I mean, arguably they already are, right? But I think a de facto, like regardless of how much money you get from the international or whatever, I think you'll see like the hierarchical lists like a year from now will we'll have a bit of a gap between League, then those two games, and then Dota and the rest. All right. Thank you, boys, for your for your insight. That's about all we, uh, we are going to be talking about today. Is there anything you guys want to add on to anything that we've mentioned? Any uh, any asterisks, any footnotes before we round things off? No? Okay, beautiful stuff then, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you again soon.